to hit them keys for me. Y'all ready for God's word? Y'all give it up for T-Dub as she comes forward to read. Let's encourage her. Come on, keep clapping until she gets to the stage. We want to prevent that awkward moment. There we go. There we go. All right. That's perfect, guys. Thank you. You ready? We are in Romans chapter 10, starting at verse 5. So if you charge your Bibles, go ahead and get those out. If you got the old-fashioned, take-it-out paper Bible, take that out. Get to Romans chapter 10. If you do not know where it is, there's a thing called the table of contents, and we will not judge you. You got to start somewhere, but if you've been going here long enough, you ought to know where Romans is, because we've been in here about two years now. And if you don't know where Romans is, I don't know what to tell you. If you just say amen. If you're not there, say, hold up. All right, I didn't hear no hold up, so let's go. I'm going to read in Spanish first. Romanos 10, capítulo 10, versículos 5 hasta 10. Porque Moisés escribe la justicia que por la ley, el hombre que hiciera aquellas cosas, viviera por ellas. Pero la justicia que es por la fe dice así, no digas en tu corazón quien subirá al cielo, esto es para traer abajo a Cristo. O quien descenderá al abismo, esto es para volver a subir a Cristo de los muertos. Mas quien dice, cerca de ti está la palabra, en tu boca y en tu corazón. Esta, esta es la palabra de fe, la cual perdon, predecimamos. I think I said that wrong. We don't know. <laughs> I don't know, maybe I know. Two I more know. verses, two more verses. <laughs> <laughs> que si confesarás con tu boca al Señor. But I got people judging me right now. So <laughs> my Spanish-speaking people are looking at me like, mm. okay. <laughs> que si confesarás tu, de tu boca, I'm sorry. Con tu boca al Señor Jesús y creeres en tu corazón que Dios le, levanta, le levantó la di, de, de los muertos, será salvo. Sorry. Porque... Con el corazón se cree para justicia, más con la boca se hace confesión para salvación. Now I can go in English. All right. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteous based on faith say, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring to Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up for the dead, from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Amen. Amen. That's God's holy, infallible word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning and the sweet opportunity we get to sit under the power and authority of your word. It is a double-edged sword, living and active. It cuts deep, and it changes those who submit to it. So, Father, would you work in this place in such a way that those who do not know you will know you, and those who have come to know you will know you more deeply. 
for there is never an end to knowing you, for you are eternal. And so, Lord, would you be with us? Would you be with your preacher this morning? Would you come underneath what I say with your Holy Spirit and do a great work in this place? We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody say it. A large jetliner was taking passengers to their destination when they went through some terrible turbulence. The plane went up and down, shaking and losing altitude. Everyone on the plane was hollering and screaming, except a little girl who sat directly behind the cockpit. Then everything returned to normal. A lady sitting next to the little girl leaned over and said, I'm impressed by your calmness. Everybody else on the plane was really upset, but you sat there as if everything was all right. Why were you so calm? The little girl replied, I wasn't afraid because my daddy is flying the plane and he promised me we would make it home safely. I'm already preaching better than y'all talking to me. Let me run it again. She says she wasn't afraid because her daddy was flying the plane and he promised to her that they would make it home safely. This is God's promise to all those who trust in Jesus, that they will make it home safely. Every Christian should have this calmness about them when it comes to their eternal destination. Have you ever wondered, how do I make it to heaven? Or the way we say it in the streets, how do I get through those pearly gates? Or let me say it another way that'll make you speak back to me. How do I get good with the man upstairs? <laughs> we all ask these kinds of questions because we know two things to be sure in this life, taxes and death. I thought I would have got an amen there. <laughs> what is death? Well, death has two parts. First, there is physical death, the separation between the body and the spirit. Second, there is eternal death, the separation of the person from God. Eternal death is the finalizing of the state of separation. One is lost for all eternity in his or her sinful condition. The Bible is clear. We will all face the first death unless Jesus comes back. I'm hoping he comes back. I don't know anybody else. I'm, take me up like Enoch, you know. I, yeah. Enoch had it good, didn't he? I, I, wish, I, I wish my name was Enoch. He's just walking with God one day, and boom, he gone. He gone, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I wish I was Enoch. Um, we do not have to enter an eternity that ends with separation from God forever. This is the good news of the Bible. We don't have to enter into an eternity where we are separated from God forever. How do we escape and make it home safely is the question. In these verses today, Paul teaches us the true path to salvation. He shows what won't work, then he shows what will work. He shows us what won't work, then he shows us what will 
work? What will get us through those pearly gates? What will get us into heaven? What will stop us from being separated from God? Here in this verse, Paul tells your soul how it can make it home safely. So you ought to pay attention. Last week, we learned that in order to make it home safely, you need to be righteous. Everybody say righteous. The word righteous simply means to be right with God. Simply put, perfect. Uh Uh-oh, you ought to be trembling. We know that no one is perfect. We know that no one is perfect. But J. Cole argues on one of his songs that God is going to justify everyone on the day of judgment because he sympathizes with our imperfections. But the Bible argues it will be the very reason we all experience the second death, because we are not perfect. And just because everybody is not perfect doesn't mean that God going to forgive on the basis of everybody not being perfect. We all, if we're honest, want to avoid the second death, let alone the first one. The Jewish people certainly did. And so what did they try to do? They tried to become righteous. The Jewish people tried in their own effort, in their own power, to become righteous. How? By observing God's law. Now, you may know it by the Ten Commandments, but there's more than Ten Commandments. There's actually over 600 commandments. The reason they did not make it is because you can't have your own righteousness. The reason they did not make it is because you cannot have your own righteousness. Religion in the end will fail you and you will not escape the second death. We do it too. Don't judge the Jewish people. Oh, no, we shouldn't. No, we shouldn't judge the Jewish people. You, yeah, you do it too. You probably came to church this morning because you're trying to get some righteousness with God. You're trying to make yourself right with God. You, you probably gave somebody all your money to their, go, to, to their GoFundMe because, because you're trying to get right with God. These are the things that we do. We, we give things away and, 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 and we open up doors and, and we try to apologize and, and we try to do all of these things in order that... We might be right before God in order that we might cleanse our conscience, in order that we might scrub our hands, cleanse of the things that we have done week in and week out. This is our effort to pay God back in in hopes that he would exchange to us some kind of forgiveness or some kind of righteousness. And Paul wants to talk to us about that kind of behavior today. I said last week that the Jewish people never obtained righteousness because they took the wrong path home. They listened to the big bad wolf. They never made it home safely. And of course, when Paul says Jewish people, he's not talking about all Jewish people. He's talking about some Jewish people. On the other hand, the Gentiles took another way home. They took faith. Instead of working to be righteous, they trusted Jesus. Instead of working to be righteous, they trusted Jesus. And Paul said that they made it home safely. It's Paul's argument. They took faith and they made it home safely. And trusting Jesus, they obtained what we're all looking for, which is righteousness, which is to be made right with God. Well, they made it home safely and skipped the second death. This morning, Paul wants to show us 
the way home a little bit further. He wants to dig a little bit deeper. How can, how, how, how we can have real life according to faith, a genuine relationship with God where we are actually right with him. Just like that little girl was at peace as she awaited her destination, so does God want you at peace as you await your final destination. Friends, the way home is really simple. We meet Paul in verse 5. So Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law. The person who does the commandments shall live by them. My first point is we must follow God's path. Y'all remember Little Red Riding Hood, don't you? Oh, y'all don't know about Little Red Riding Hood. Little Red Riding Hood was given simple instructions on how to get to her grandmother's house. But what did Little Red Riding Hood do? Little Red Riding Hood wanted to go her own way, and down that path was a big, bad wolf. And we shouldn't judge Little Red Riding Hood because we're just like Little Red Riding Hood. God gives us the path home, and we want to take our own path. We listen to ourselves. We listen to other religions. We listen to other people. But God has made it plain, Little Red Riding Hood. This is how you get home. But what path did Little Red Riding Hood take? She took her own path. And Paul is setting up a comparison between the two paths, law and faith. And to make the case for the law, he summons Moses, I love me some Moses. Anybody love Mo in this piece? I love Moses. Oh, I love Moses. My mom used to make us watch the Ten Commandments all the time. That was an all-day thing. You had to pack a lunch to watch the Ten Commandments. It was serious. My favorite part, and I said it before, is when he comes down the mountain, shining and glowing. Yeah, I know Vaseline when I see it. They put Vaseline. That wasn't glory. But Vaseline can make you look holy if you put enough of it on, and you put it right there in the middle of that forehead. <laughs> But we see beyond that Vaseline. Don't you go slapping that on. Some of y'all lay it on thick, too. Skin can't breathe. It's real bad, real bad. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but Vaseline. No, that's not what he said. He said nothing but the blood. So Paul wants to make this comparison between these two paths, law and faith. And this makes good sense to us because Moses, he brings up Moses, and he brings up Moses because Moses wrote the law, which is the first five books of the Bible. Genesis through Deuteronomy was penned by Moses. And Paul picks out one of the great things of Israel, the life, the, that life comes from obeying God's commandments. This is what they believe. He's referring to Leviticus 18.5 here, which probably wasn't what you woke up reading this morning. Nobody likes to read the book of Leviticus. You get all kind of sacrifices and all stuff that just bores you. But if you look deep enough, you can see Christ in it. Moses writes the words of the Lord who says, you shall therefore keep my statues and my rules. If a person does them, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. Here's what that means. You could skip the second death and make it home safely by observing the law. You actually could make it home safely by observing the law. The law does not send you off. The law is good. There's nothing wrong with the law. If, you actually, if we were actually able to keep the law, the law would actually get us home safely. This is called self-righteousness. 
because you would be earning your own righteousness. But here's the catch. You must keep all the law. Always, at all times. I love, I love it. I love, I love people who say that they have reached perfection. Oh, I love them. Yes, dear Lord, I love them. And, and I say, I say, I say, so, so you mean to tell me that you'll see it no more? No, no, I'll see it no more. Okay, so if I pull this hot water on you, you ain't gonna do nothing to me, are you? Because you, you know, you holy, you know, you know, you holy, so you know. And then I'm like, if you're perfect, this means, church, that you love your neighbor with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your soul, at every minute of every second of every hour, every day. How you doing? Or if you're perfect, you have also love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, every minute of every second of every hour, every day, and you never mess up. How you doing? And if you perfect, you ought to be going in this place. But I don't see no glowing people in this place because we're all in a process. And Paul is clear. If you go do righteousness by the law, you better keep it all perfectly. Because James says it this way, because to break one means a person is guilty of the whole thing. Whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. So if I mess up at one point, I broke all of the law. And in fact, I always tell people, you don't break none of the law until you break the first commandment, which is to have no other gods before God. And in order for you to sin, you got to put God on the back seat. For you to do any other sin. And so we're already through. Here's some of what God's law says. God says, don't be jealous of your neighbor's stuff. Keep looking at me. Keep looking at me. Keep looking at me. Don't take what isn't yours. I see some of y'all squirming already. Don't misrepresent the truth. Don't misuse sexuality. Honor your parents. And that's only half of the Ten Commandments, which are like the big obvious commandments of God's law. How you doing so far? Paul is really trying to help the Jewish people see this is not the path you want to walk. Self-righteousness is not the path that you want to take home. And I can see some of y'all already because y'all think y'all all that and Nobody knows the Bible like you know the Bible, and nobody can quote more verses than you, and, 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 you've, been going to, and you've been going to church all your life, and, and, and you came out speaking in songs and, and came out doing miracles. I know, I know, I know, and you know on that day of judgment when you're standing in the line waiting on your turn, and you're behind a few people that you know, and, 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 and they don't make it through those pearly gates, and you're going to say, I knew she wasn't going to make it. No way, shoot, I knew that. You go down that way. I already knew what was going to happen. And you, then the brother that you knew down the block, you then he don't make it through no problem. You say, I knew they weren't gonna make it, but I'm ready for God because I know what I've done. I got my resume in my back pocket. God knows that I love me some God who I can't wait to get up there, and you're gonna be disappointed. You're gonna say, But God, I did better than them. I shared my fruity pebbles that day at school, God. You know I love Fruity Pebbles, and I gave them off, God. I picked up my cross that day and walked with you. And you're going to be salty because that's not the way home. We feed the homeless because deep down inside, some of us feel like we are getting one step closer to heaven. 
Some of us come to church and hope that in coming to, coming to church, God will forget what we did last night. We get more involved in church and to, to work the scrub, the stains of our sins off of our hands. We find ourselves continually busy in a constant round of religious activity. But activity does not solve the problem. The answer is not a program. The answer is a person. The answer is not programs. The answer is not church attendance. And those things are good things and beautiful things and marvelous things. And we should do those things. But those things are not the way home. We want to be approved by God based on how we live and the good things we do. We assume that the good can somehow outweigh the bad. Ask those in prison how that concept is working out for them. God isn't asking for good works, but he is demanding perfection. Don't mess up, period, or you're through on that way home. And by the way, it's about to get even darker. Even if a person was able to perfectly keep the law, he would still have to deal with the problem of his sinful nature. You see, man isn't a sinner because he sins. Man sins because he is a sinner. We are born in sin. We just prove the reality of our sinful nature by the things we do. We do what we do because of who we are. Who we are is preceding what we're doing, and we're doing what we're doing because of who we are. And if you're going to take this path home, you must never mess up. There is no peace taking this way home. We are like the lady and all the others on the plane. We are scared and frightened because we think the only hope we have in a time of trouble is ourselves. Only to find out when the bottom drops out, we have no real hope in self. Nobody has disappointed Dexter Harris like Dexter Harris has disappointed Dexter Harris. <laughs> I, keep, I just keep disappointing myself. I know it's easy to get mad at other people. When they mess up on you, but you ain't never disappointed yourself. You ain't never did nothing you said that you would never do. And you look up and you say, how in the world did I get here? And you go in strong too. It ain't going to get me this time. I'm just going to eat one Oreo and I'm out. Like, I mean, like I give myself a whole prep talk before I even approach the cookie. I'm like, listen, cookie, I'm only having one today. You understand? All right, here we go. Take that cookie, man, a whole pack later. <laughs> now I'm on a treadmill an extra 30 minutes trying, trying to run it off. <laughs> oh, when that guilt get on you, you try to run that guilt off. But when they were on that plane and it was going through turbulence, what could any of them do to save themselves? Absolutely nothing. There was nothing that they were going to do if that plane was actually going down. They were dependent on the pilot just like that little girl was, whether they knew it or not. We can't keep calm because we really don't know if we're going to make it home when we take that path, Little Red Riding Hood. The way home starts with a simple, I can't. It's really just that simple. It starts with a, with a, I can't. Why is the little girl so calm on the plane? Might I suggest she realizes she can't save herself? She had to trust in another. Can I recommend that to you today? Just admit I can't. 
I know you've been taught all your life. Little Johnny, if you just believe in yourself, there's nothing that you can't do. Well, when it comes to salvation, I don't care how much you believe in yourself. You cannot save yourself. And I'm telling you, you cannot do the law. The moment we admit that I can't, I can't, I don't have enough moral currency to pay for the demands of the law, the way we live, the things we do has made it impossible for us to save ourselves. I wish I had some people in the room who have finally came to the resolve that God, I just can't. Do it. And even if you don't get it in salvation, there are some things in your life that God has set you up so that you would say that, God, I can't. There's some things that your money can't get you out of. There's some things that your religion can't get you out of. There's some things that your slick words can't get you out of. And all you can say is, Lord, have mercy. All I can call on is the name of the Lord. I ain't got no power. I ain't got no strength. I ain't got nothing. All I can say is, God, I can't do this no more. Oh, God, I put you in some situations that'll make you feel your humanity. God will put you in some situations that will make you feel your limitations. God will humble you and remind you that you are not self-sufficient, that you are not almighty, that you are not omnipotent. But he will remind you that there is one God and that God is not you. Oh, I know there's teaching out there that says that you're your own God. You just got to get in tune with yourself. You go ahead and do that, and you're going to find out how jacked up you really are. There ain't no God in there. There's a bigger sinner down in there. You better come to this realization that I can't. Lord, right here, you can't find your own way home. You've been trying. You've been trying to plow your own path. But you keep going in circles. You never make it to your destination. Friends, it starts with, I can't. Oh, little Lila keeps teaching me. I don't know if I'm dumb or what, but two-year-old keeps teaching me stuff. Can we be real? It's hard to admit I can't. Isn't that a paradox? It's hard to admit I can't. It's so simple. It's so hard to do. It's more than oxymoron. It's hard to admit I can't. Even my two-year-old at times have time, has a hard time with this. There's times when I try to help Lila do things that I know that she can't do. And she wants to buckle herself into her own car seat. I had a scratch the other week. The little girl's strong, by the way. Got into a whole fight with her. Y'all know that she swung on me one time for trying to take an Oreo from, I call it parent abuse. Uh, but she swung on me a couple times. But here's the other thing. She likes to fight me when I try to help her buckle into her car seat. And she says, no, daddy, I got this. I want to buckle 
myself in and we think the same thing. God, I got this. I can buckle my own self in. But you know the law that if you don't buckle yourself in, you can't get going. And the reality is, is that Lila never completes the law. And so the car will never get going as long as she depended on herself. What I'm trying to tell you is the moment she depends on her daddy is the moment we can get going. And what I'm trying to tell you is that the moment you depend on your daddy is the moment the car can get going. Some of you've been stuck in the same place over and over and over again because you keep depending on yourself. And the moment you depend on your daddy is the moment the car will begin to move. Just say, I can't save myself. moment you do that little red right hood, you're back on the right path. The first words of the believer is faith. First words of faith are not words of self-righteousness, but self-rejection. All the rest of the words of faith don't matter if you don't get the first ones right, which is, I can't. Friends, faith, let me be clear. There's a lot of teaching on faith out there. Faith is not something we use to control God. Somebody said, we tell God what to do. I slid back from him. <laughs> Don't get close to people like that, I tell you. <laughs> Faith is not something that we use to control God to get our way and make demands. All this talk out here, blab it and grab it. Call it and haul it. Name it and claim it. Instead, faith is the humblest act of the soul. It is an acknowledgement of who is actually in control, and it ain't you. God is in control. And I'm not saying we shouldn't believe God, don't get me wrong, for great things. I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray big prayers, but our faith doesn't grant us the gift of sovereignty. God remains in the driver's seat. Now let's keep going before I keep digging there. Salvation is simple. Because Jesus has done the heavy lifting. Here it is. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down. Or who would descend into the abyss. That is to bring Christ up from the dead. This is a very obscure, obscure text and it is hard to interpret. But when you're doing verse by verse, you're going to come across hard things that are hard to unfold. But let me try to help you out as best I can. What is Paul trying to say here in this little verse? we got to put our thinking caps on because it's a little hard to understand. But before I break it down, let me give you one way to understand it. Paul is like, don't be out here like Dragonfly Jones off of Martin. <laughs> Some of y'all know who Dragonfly Jones is. And what does Dragonfly Jones try to do every time he gets into a fight? Kicking, scratching, biting, flying all over the place. And one thing ends up all this time with Dragonfly Jones. He ends up getting his butt kicked in the end. He like that dude who show up to the basketball court with all the Jordan outfit, the old Jordan outfit on, and he can't hoop. That's us. We show up to the law. We all dressed up like we're going to do something, and we get our butt kicked every single time. Now let's look at how 
Paul explains this now that dragonfly is thoroughly in your heads. So check it out. He goes back to the Old Testament. He pulls out an old mixtape of Moses, and he turns on track number 30. And this is what it says. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It's not in the heavens that you should say, who will ascend to the heavens for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over to the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. If you're confused, I was too. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. What is going on here? When Moses was relaying to the people of God his covenant commandments here in Deuteronomy 30, God cuts it straight with the Israelites um, about the law and his commandments. And to make sure that they trusted in his law, he told them this law isn't in heaven that you might have to ask, well, who will go up to heaven and bring it back to us? Neither is it on the other side of the sea that you might have to say, well, who will cross the sea looking for commands of God so that we can do them? But now Paul takes Moses' song and he remixes it, this time featuring Jesus Christ. Paul simply takes Christ and puts him in place of where Moses uses the law. Stay with me, church. Why? Because Christ is both the fulfillment of the law and what the law is all about. He's still not with me. The law is about Jesus. And if you don't believe that the law is about Jesus, this verse right here is enough to prove it. Here's what he says. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart, you can hear Moses, who will ascend into heaven. You can hear Moses. Here's Paul dropping Jesus in. That is to bring Christ down. Verse 7, who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. Watch the remix. Do not say in your heart who will go up to heaven, not to get the commandments from heaven, but to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss, not to get the commandments from far away, but Paul says to bring Christ from the dead. He's saying all the way back from the beginning of the law, day one, God did not want you to strive to reach the fulfillment of the law because he was going to take care of it anyways through Jesus. I said all that to say that last line. Basically what Paul is saying is that the law was never given so that we can prop up our little ladder and try to climb up to heaven. God don't need your help. God could do it all by himself. God came down to us so that we wouldn't have to say who's going to go up and get Christ because God was going to send him on his own. Who can ascend into heaven? I can't. But the implied answer is simply this. Jesus can. Where you can't, Jesus can. And who can go down into the pit? I can't. But Jesus can. And whose word can dwell in us in our hearts and on our lips? None other than the testimony of the risen Son of God, Jesus Christ. So, friends, here's the good news. Although we can't, God can. God has fulfilled the commandments for us through Jesus. Let me say it again. God has fulfilled in totality all of his commandments through Jesus Christ, which is why in the New Testament it says all of his promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. 
I can't, but Jesus can. Jesus has done the heavy lifting for you, little red riding hood. He's already made the path, little red riding hood. You don't have to, you don't have to find another path, little red riding hood. Jesus has already made a path, and not only has he made a path, he is the path. Now, y'all ain't going to clap the water, just shout it for me. Who came down for us? Y'all been reading y'all Bibles. Who came down for us, church? Just in case you didn't believe me, I brought some scripture with me. And the word became flesh and dwelled among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus came and he took on human flesh. Did you see that? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And in verse 14, the Word became flesh. God became like me and you. He actually came. He took the stairway of glory down into time so that he can make the crooked path straight and the rough places plain and open up the highway of glory for all those who believe in him. He did that. God came in human flesh. Don't ever let your heart grow callous to that point. It is mind-blowing that God could become a human. That's like you downgrading and becoming a worm. God became like you. Don't let that pass you by. The infinite becomes like the finite. The timeless comes into time. Let him blow your mind and make you worship him. I don't know what will. Who came down? Jesus in flesh. That's a hill that we're willing to die on because there's a lot of people denying that fact. But why did he come? Here's what Matthew says. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He saved us by fulfilling the law for us. Jesus puts on flesh. He leaves heaven. He steps into time. He does all kinds of things. He turns water into wine. He opens the eyes of the blind. He feeds 5,000 with a lunchable. Come on. He comes to see. He walks on water. I mean, he's all that. I could go on and on. A lady touched the hem of his garment and he said, who touched me? And just by touching the hem of his garment, all of a sudden, she's miraculously healed. What kind of God are we dealing with? But not only did he come to do great and mighty things, Things. He came to fulfill the law. He was making a path for us so that we may be able to enter the pearly gate. And so he kept all of his father's commands. The Bible says there was no sin found in his mouth. And I don't know about you. I've been walking with child for five years and I still can't say about nobody in this place and nobody can say it about me that there ain't no sin found in your mouth. You know good and well. You keep a cuss word right there just in case somebody say something crazy to you. I'm saved but I got something right here that I've been saving for you. And if you run up, you get done up. But with Jesus, they say that he was just a, he was just perfect. <laughs> Jesus is Lord. And this is coming at the end, but I'm going to say something right now. He's Lord because you can't destroy him. I mean, he's Lord whether you acknowledge him as Lord or not. His lordship doesn't start with your belief. It actually precedes your belief, and even if you ever, never, ever believe in him, he's still Lord. 
and you don't crown him. You can't destroy him and you can't get rid of him. His kingship will be forever. If you try to destroy him with fire, he'll refuse to burn. If you try to destroy him with water, he'll walk on water. You can't do anything with him. If you try to destroy him with the law, you can't find no fault in him. He's all that. He's Lord. Why did he come down to fulfill the law? At least that's one reason. There's many other reasons. Who descends only to ascend? Jesus. Every person I knew that's descended has not ascended. Here's what it says. This is Revelation. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death in Hades. I wish I had a shouting church right now. Oh, he came back like boss in the game. He said, I died, and homie, I'm back, and I got the keys to death in Hades. Ain't nothing, got nothing on me. I'm Lord. (laughs) This is the kind of God you want. This is the kind of God you want because death is coming knocking, and you need somebody who got authority over death. Jesus is saying here, I died, but I got up. He said before he died, no man takes my life, but I give it up on my own accord. And if I give it up, I'll take it back up on my own. That's how powerful he is. Death couldn't kill him. He died until death died. And then he got up and said that I'm bossing the game. And friends, because he died and because he rose, I came with good news this morning. You just hold on. Because we're going home. I stole that from Drake. But that's all right. Just hold on. We're going home. You just hold on. We're going home. God knows exactly who you can be. Some of y'all still with me. Some of y'all not. But hold on to what? Hold on to Christ. Hold on to Jesus. Can we be real? Just life is hard, isn't it? Life is difficult. Comes with all kinds of trials, situations that suck, things that if it was left up to you, you can go without. You could just be riding smooth like they were in that plane and then turbulence hit out of nowhere. Things get rattly in life. People Say they're going to do something and don't do it. People disappoint you. Money fails you. Life is difficult. But friends, hold on to Jesus. No matter what you go through, no matter what life throws your way, there's one thing that is consistent, and it is Jesus. It is so consistent that Paul doesn't preach something that we need to do, but instead he preaches something that has already been done. This is why we call it news. This is why we call it news. When you turn your TV on in the morning and you turn on the news, you're listening to something that has already happened. 
There ain't nothing you can do with news. All you can do is receive it or reject it. There's nothing else you can do with news. And you can either get good news or you can get bad news. And the bad news would have been if we turned our TVs on and the TV said, in order for anybody to get to heaven, you're going to have to keep all of the law. That's bad news. But God gave us good news. And the good news is that God came, God died, and he was buried. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. And that good news says that if anybody believes in Jesus, they shall be, they will be, absolutely, no doubt about it, saved. That's the good news. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You ain't coming unless you come through Jesus. There ain't no way around him. Ain't no way over him. And ain't no way under him. You're going to get through those pearly gates. You got to go through Jesus. And if you trust Jesus, he promises to bring you home, little Red Riding Hood. Just like the pilot promised his little girl. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Do you hear Jesus promising to you what, he prom- what the pilot promised his little girl? You're going to make it to your destination because I'm going to prepare a place for you. This news we receive, this promise we receive, when the body separates from the spirit, Those who believe in Jesus will skip the second death. You will not experience separation from God. In fact, Jesus said, anyone who believes in me now has already passed from death to life. It's already true for you. You already have possession of eternal life. And so when you die, the next thing you see is Jesus. Do you want this promise? Do you want to make it home? Do you want peace like that little girl? What must you do? It's simple. Believe. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Did you see it? Do you believe it? It's just that simple. If you want to make it home, if you want eternal life, you have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Why Lord? Because I realize I cannot do this. I make a horrible Lord over my own life. Every time. Now, when Paul was writing this, Jesus is Lord was a Christian creed. It was a public profession. It was a sign of true faith. Believers were never supposed to have a private faith. We say we believe God, and then we want to keep our faith to ourselves. You cannot call Jesus Lord and you don't obey his commands. Why do you call me Lord and you don't obey me? To be Lord is to be subject to him, to bring your life into alignment with him. The reason why a lot of our lives have not changed is because we want the cross, but we don't want to see him as Lord in our lives, which means that he has say so over what you do, which means that you're striving to do what Jesus has commanded you to do. How about this? Love your neighbor. 
That ain't how you get saved, but that's what it looks like when you've been saved and that he's your Lord. You want him as Lord or you just want him as Savior? You want him as Savior, but you want to tell him what to do? That's backwards. By the way, if he is Lord, it ought to be evident in your lifestyle. It ought to be evident in your life. And one of the things that I'm continually learning in God's people is that we parmentalize our faith with our life. We do not see how the gospel should affect your marriage. The gospel has something to say about how you treat your spouse. <laughs> we think the gospel has nothing to say about injustice. The gospel has something to say how you treat people that look different than you. The gospel has something to say about every area of your life. You don't get to put Jesus in a cute little box. And oh, how I wish that we would see that our orthopraxy should line up with our orthodoxy. That this gospel shouldn't just stay in your head, but it ought to go down into your heart and through your hands. And you ought to be changing communities, Christian. We ought to be making a crazy impact. Read an article today talking about uh, Gary's one of the most miserable cities in the world. I said, hello, Christians live here. And as long as Christians are anywhere, there's no such thing as misery. Because we got life up in here and we're taking life out there. Gary, Indiana, I'd not be hopeless as long as Bethel Gary and every church in this city who proclaims the name of Jesus. We got a gospel that brings life. What else you think is going to save folks? How do you think your wretched self got turned around? Not a gospel. That's going to be the same gospel that transformed your neighbor. That's next week. We're going to talk about missions. And we're going to talk about why we are supposed to go to the nations and take this Good news. Bottom line is we can't save ourselves, but Jesus can. And here's the gospel truth so simple. God did. God did what you and I cannot do. Look at verse 9. God raised Jesus from the dead. God raised Jesus from the dead. Peter preached his message in the book of Acts and 3,000 got saved. 3,000. This Jesus God raised up, in of that we are all witnesses. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ is Jesus whom you crucified. Do you want to make it home? Do you want to avoid the second death? Be raised from the dead? You must believe that God has defeated death through Jesus Christ. And this verse promises you will be safe. You say, Pastor, so how do I respond to this? Well, there's only really one thing for you to do. You got to declare bankruptcy. I know it's hard to declare bankruptcy. But everybody who declares bankruptcy has finally come to grips with the fact that I ain't got nothing. I can't pay the debt that I need to pay.
I can't pay the debt that I owe. I have got to declare over my own life and over my own soul bankruptcy. And a beautiful thing about bankruptcy is all the things you've been trying to hold on to. You actually get to keep some stuff when you actually declare bankruptcy. And so the life that you've been trying to hold on to, the eternity that you've been trying to hang on to, when you declare bankruptcy, God says, I got your back. You ain't got to worry about it. You come on home with me. I'll take care of the rest. Is that not what he did? When he sent Jesus on the cross, when they put nails in his hands and and a spear on his side and a crown of thorns on his head and they rose him up and he stretched them wide and they hung him high and for you and me he died. Did he not do it? And he said, for all those who, who declare bankruptcy, I want you to know that when you look at that cross, that's my payment for your sins. And as long as you trust in my son, I'm going to raise you up. The same way I rose him up on the third day, he rose with all power in his hands because death couldn't hold him and death couldn't keep him. And if you won't worship him, the Bible says that the rocks will cry out and worship him. He's worthy of your praise. He's worthy of your glory. No one's risen like him. No one got up like him. And so while Buddha trying to figure it out and Allah's trying to figure it out, God already worked it out through Jesus. Buddha trying to figure out how to get out of the grave. And other people are trying to figure out how to get out of the grave. But God has already, through Jesus Christ, worked it out. And I love the way the song goes. I gave it over to the Lord. And he worked it out. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your story is. I do know this, that if you'll give it over to the Lord, he'll work it out. I wish I had some people. I'm happy now. I wish I had some people in the room that knew that when you give it over to the Lord, he'll work it out. Gave my marriage over to him. He worked it out. Gave my finances over to him. He worked it out. Gave pornography over to him. He worked it out. Gave my anger over to him. He worked it out. What's your testimony? Give it over to the Lord and he'll work it out. You got to quit trying to figure it out. When he's already figured it out, little red riding hood, you got to give it over to him. Take the path that he's already paid. He took your burdens. Oh, I know him to be a heavy load bearer, a burden sharer, the rose of Sharon, the lily in the valley, the staff, the rod, the rod of Aaron. All I got to say is that if you give it over to the Lord, he'll work it out. You ought to turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, if you give it over to the Lord, he'll work it out. I don't know what you're going through. He'll work it out. That's the good news. Hear me clear, church, that he already worked it out. So why are you trying to figure it out? Little Red Riding Hood, don't listen to the big bad wolf. He's already worked it out.